Welcome to the Republic of Middle-Aged Men. I'm your host, Tim, and once again joining me today is Lachlan. Hey, guys. And Ruben. G'day. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, today, I will go first today. I am drinking a bottle of Kunawara, the Advocate Cab Sav. Not the whole bottle, but that's what I'm drinking. That's <laughs> what you started with. It is. Uh, what, what are you drinking tonight, Lachlan? Man, I'm I'm sort of uh, following suit. Actually, I'd say you know, um, since I'm in the position between you guys, I'm taking a little bit of advice from column A and column B here. Ooh. So uh, I've actually got a, a a Margaret River Cab Merlot, um, which is from Aldi Rubes. You'll be ha- you'll be glad to hear. And uh, nice. despite being cheap, it's actually pretty good. I'm surprised. <laughs> I think you can almost describe anything you get from Aldi with that that one sentence. Sure. Despite cheap, being cheap. surprisingly good. <laughs> uh, that's funny. What you got, Rubes? Uh, I finally got myself a bottle of whiskey. It's not from Audi. Um, I, 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 I may or may not have skirted the edges of what's legal in terms of browsing rules, but I found a, uh, a seventy dollar bottle of whiskey for fifty bucks. Ooh. So I've got this. I've not tried it before. Oh, oh dimple. Um, it's a fifteen year one, and um, I'm pleasantly surprised by it i'm quite enjoying it is that a sort of petered one or not petered i don't know but it tastes petered it's got a it's got that kind of a an air to it yeah cool okay i don't know whether it actually is i'm not that advanced in my whiskey tasting you you need some blue cheese to go with that whiskey (laughs) (laughs) we have to face the fact that me and you tim we might be the only two people on the planet that enjoy whiskey with blue cheese (laughs) No way. No way. There has to be other people. Surely that's a combination like cigars and whiskey. It's just cigars, whiskey, and blue cheese. They go together. Have you have you tried that, Lachlan? I have, but I must admit, uh, blue cheese is something I'm only just sort of coming around to. It's um, I don't love it, love it, but I, you know, I don't mind it now. And uh, I'm not the biggest whiskey drinker either, for that matter. So. Um, oh, yeah. I'm um I'm definitely sort of a, more of a bourbon guy. Color me uncultured, but uh... <laughs> you philistine. I know, right? I know. Well, it's funny because my grandfather was like a dyed in the wool um, Scotch man, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just um, went the other way. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um. So lockdown. How are you guys coping? Yeah, look, uh, hanging in there. It's uh, it's not too bad. I mean, in a general sort of sense, but I think the whole thing is it's just um, you're just not sure when it's going to finish. And I think that's what's getting to people more than anything at the moment, you know, if you know what I mean. So, uh, um, you know, you can cope on it day to day, but you'd like to know there's an end coming. And uh, given the numbers in New South Wales, it's, it's not coming anytime soon at the minute. So... Uh, you know, I think that's the main thing. Yeah, it's pumping up. But you guys, um, we're you know, homeschool stuff is different. Um, yeah, had some really good success uh, with that with my son particularly over the last week. So, um, like it's one of those like real proud parent moments where there was a big task to get done, and you had that sort of man to man chat and. He's just lifted and had a crack, and um, 
yeah, I was really, really happy with that. So we got him a, um, got my daughter one too, cause she's killing it. Um, but whatever Lego order they wanted online up to a certain amount, we let them get it. And so he got a, um, what the baby Yoda, what's the child called? The Grogu, Grogu. whatever it's called. Yeah. He got a Lego Grogu. It's like 19 centimeters high. So he's 15% through building that at the moment. So it's pretty cool. cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, you had a bit of Lego though too, mate. I did. I've started building it. Um, I got a Saturn V rocket. Um, it's, you can, might be able to see it in my background. It's below the Assassin's Creed poster with uh, the guy's faces back to back. Um, so we built the first two stages. It looks like it's an inch tall on my screen, but it's already about eight inches high. It's Apparently when it's all assembled, it's about a meter tall. Nice. So it's almost 2,000 pieces. So... <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm pretty looking forward to it. How about I you, still Ryan? maintain that well, that one of the best things about having kids is getting to play with Lego again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. True. Yeah, we. Um, uh, uh, oh, my, uh, son got a Volkswagen combi wagon um, for Christmas, and he's too little to put it together. He's like, "Dad, can you help me?" I was like, "Are you sure you want me to help you?" <laughs> <laughs> Do I? <laughs> I think the question you're asking is, do you want to help me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about you, Bruce? How are you guys holding up? Uh, yeah, my week's pretty it's been all right. I actually finally got some exercise in. Uh, mm. I went for a run, did some weights. and It was one of those things where I was like, man, I shouldn't have put that off so long because you just feel so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I think mm. I've spent, spent so much time sitting down lately. Um, I really needed it. So that was good. Yeah, great. And... Um, are you coping with the whole parenting school teacher nonsense or well i've been putting that on my wife but the next two days it's up to me so we'll see what happens there Ooh. Our, um, their, our local child care center where we send our smallest one to is um they had a covid positive case so they've shut oh. down for two weeks so yeah. i've got to take uh, monday tuesday off for the next two weeks um so we'll see how that goes okay well well, have fun with that. <laughs> I saw this meme on Facebook. Um, I think my mum put it up the other day, just saying, um, it was like a parent writing a note to the teacher and it said, uh, dear teacher, you lied. My child is not a joy to teach. <laughs> nice. I was like, yep. yep. Awesome. <laughs> All right, well, um, let's crack on. <clears throat> so this week we're at uh, book two uh, within our book, The Republic, that we're reading. Um, Ruben, do you want to do a, a quick overview of last week? Yeah, where did we get up to? Um, uh, basically, Socrates put Thrasymachus down, uh, or <laughs> wore him down, so to speak. They kind of came to the end of a bit of a conversation, and um, then we got to the point where they'd made a little bit of headway, but Socrates basically said, well, I enjoyed that. I probably enjoyed that a little bit too much, but we still don't know what justice is. Um, and that basically brings us into book two, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. Um, you kind of described it like a Sizzler's restaurant event. He just started... He went in there to get the prawns and he got intercepted by the meatballs and spaghetti and the garlic bread. And Had to have a bit of everything. The soft serve. <laughs> got to the end and realised, oops, forgot to have prawns. Uh, yeah, so sort of going into book two, I think, oh, right, let's see, um, I, was, I was sort of really wondering where is this going to head? And um, mm. not in a bad way, but um, it's sort of 
ended up the, the next two blokes come along and they just rehash Thrasy Marcus's argument. So um, yeah, it's not, it's not. I'm not saying there's no progress, but it kind of feels like they, they're almost back to square one again. Well, I think um, you know uh, we sort of start off with uh, Glaucon, um, who's you know Socrates's mate, and I think he certainly rehashes all of uh, Thrasymachus's stuff. Um, yeah. But Glaucon's brother. He, he puts a little bit of extra seasoning on it, and uh, <laughs> I, I think there's something to be to be garnered there. So that's all right. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I well, I I really like their attitude. They're they're like, um, no, no, no. They're like after this, after Thrasy Marcus has jumped up and down, carried on, and basically subdued. They've kind of come in, come in and gone, no, 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 no. That's not good enough. We can we can make that argument better. They're mm. like, we can we can make a better argument. We're not we're not done yet, and. One of them actually says to Socrates, basically, no, 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 this is this is what people believe. What Thrasymachus says is what mm. people believe. We want to know, you know, we want to know whether it's true or not. Like, so let's let's really have a go at trying to figure it out. So that's, I think that's commendable. Um, but that kind of goes back to what you were saying the other week, that their whole attitude towards debate and argument is sort of mm. really open and, and, yeah, all that sort of gear. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat that they could sort of come in and... Um... You know they're really open about the fact they don't support Thrasymachus, like, and they want it to be proved. You know the opposite to be proved, right? Um, but they're like, you know, if he's not willing to to push it through, we will. And even though this isn't an argument that uh, you know we want to take that side on, but we'll take the side of the opposition just in order to try and progress this argument. That's that's a really cool thing. Um, I think so too. Yeah. I, I think it's uh, it, it's cool, but it's also uh, um, honourable, maybe. Like, they they, mm. they actually value the idea of justice, I think, enough to, uh, to to test it properly, to go, okay, look, yep, that we, we agree that justice is legit and we probably end up at the same place that you're at, but that argument wasn't the best argument put forward. And, you know, we need to make sure if this is what we think it is, um, that it will hold up to, you know, the highest level of scrutiny. So, uh, and I think they take the scope uh, outside of where it initially started to, because initially yeah. they're talking about it like a, uh, a like a, a trade or, or a, I don't know, a skill set. Um, and I think they make it broader than that, uh, which is pretty good. And it was also like, um, I think it was this thing about, the like they're sort of like weighing up the benefits of both like there's a um just tangible advantage but it kind of i think they're almost sort of saying like it's making it cheap like the way they're talking about it it's like oh you're going to get like you know 20 gold out of doing it this way and 15 gold out of doing it that way you know so that one's better and um i think that was part of the interesting discussion that we'll sort of get onto i suppose that they're trying to elevate it to something beyond that to, to think about it a little bit differently. Yeah, I think the first hint of that is um, we're right at the start. Glaucon asks uh, Socrates, well, what kind of good do you think it is? And then he lists three categories of goods, which mm. I thought were really interesting categories. And it's not something I'd thought of before. Yeah. Um, but he basically says there's three types of goods. There's goods... Um, that are, di- are desired for their because they're good in their own, for their own sake, and then there are goods that are good for its own sake and because of the consequences of that good, 
And then the third type is there are, there are goods that um, are painful but beneficial. I've tried to, I've, tr- I've tried to summarize them, but I've probably butchered it. No, I think you're pretty mm-hmm. close, man. I, I wrote that down as um, goods that are desirable for themselves, um, like pleasures, um, but that doing them doesn't really do anything. Uh, and then the second one being um, goals that are desirable for their own sake, and the consequence is also good. So to me, that's like the sweet spot. It's like it's fun to do, and the consequence is good. Um, and then the third one is it's not fun to do, but the consequence is good. So straight away, what came to mind to me was burpees. I hate burpees. <laughs> <laughs> but the consequence of burpees is good <laughs> because um, you get healthier. So Yeah, but uh, they are not fun to yeah. do. So to me, it was like, you know, you can, you can play Xbox, uh, but there's no good outcome for that. Or you can play, mm. you know, virtual reality Beat Saber. So you get to game and you get fitter. Uh, or, or you can do burpees, which isn't fun, but you get fitter. <laughs> that was kind of how I thought about it. Um, yeah, I think um, I think it's interesting that the first category, because Socrates goes on to say that that's the highest one. You know, that's the most the best one is um, goods because they're good for their own sake. Like there's something mm. inherently about it itself that's good. Um, I thought that was interesting because. They don't really debate that. They just, they both, really, they all just agree that, yeah, here's your categories and this one's at the top. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily say I disagree with it, but I just thought it was interesting that that was just a point that they just, they kind of just agreed on and blew right past. Mm. Yeah. I think sometimes they do that with these debates though, because it's like, um, if that's not kind of fundamental to the, what the debate is, they're happy to accept it as a premise, you know what I mean? Even if it's not like, maybe their go-to, if you know what I mean. It's kind yeah. of like, yeah, I, I can see that argument. Yep, okay, cool, let's move on. You know, let's let's use that and, and move on from there. Um, but it's interesting, yeah. I mean, because obviously you had uh, Socrates in this case, he's, he's, you know, gone with option one and said that, um, you know, um, justice should be in, in category one. And... Um, and then the other guys have just basically sort of said, yeah, that's interesting that you say that, but no one else says that. Everyone else thinks that's yeah. rubble, you know? Um, yeah, that kind of goes back to what I was trying to exp- explain the other week, that they've kind of got to this point of sophistry where um, the entire society just basically, well, I mean, the, the consensus was that, you know, whatever you can persuade people or force people to do, that's that's what's right. So it's all about, knowledge is all about knowing how to persuade people, that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, so that that kind of plays into him just going, no, 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 no. The, the justice is something that's good within itself, regardless mm-hmm. of the consequences, and it's something that should be pursued. And yeah, he's that's right. These two, the, the two brothers, Glaucon and I forget the other bloke's name, basically go, yeah, okay, but nobody else believes that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, and I think that's where they just sort of make the point is that you know that that's why we have to push so hard on this Socrates, and we're gonna we're gonna work you over a bit because we hear that argument all the time as well and we want to be able to refute it and we don't know how to refute it so we need to work this out so that we can support justice because we think it's right yeah which is yeah admirable yeah so um going on from there um they basically try and sort of like set the scene and obviously um glaucon sort of takes up the first um you know sort of bash at sort of I suppose, like we sort of saying, like rehashing a bit of what uh, Thrasymachus had, had really put forward. 
Uh, and he sets through that he's going to sort of lay out three different, um, uh, well, a, a plan in sort of three steps yeah. to sort of do this, right? He's much more structured, not like just yeah. an emotional lash out like Thrasy Marcus. Yeah, which, um, yeah. Which is good. I like how he has so a dig at Thrasy Marcus too. It's totally. Oh, yeah, I, also... I mean, but he doesn't sort of, uh, like he sort of has a dig at him, but at the same time he doesn't sort of hold it against him because he's like, you know what, his view is the same as most people's. So, you know, that that's to be expected of somebody like that perhaps. So it's a bit of a backwards... Uh, but, oh yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, he's like a snake. They got charmed too soon. Like, yeah. That's it. yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah, call him a snake. <laughs> I, didn't him. I mean, maybe it wasn't as offensive back then, but um... I think he was just saying that he was quite easily influenced. Was was uh, was the deal that uh, uh, Socrates's words were uh, soothed him like a charm of a snake or something? So. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. No, I so, uh, so Glaucon's plan. Um, so first he had that listed um, talking of the nature and origin of justice according to the common view, so he says. Um, second, he wanted to tackle um, that all men who practice justice do so against their will um, because of necessity, not, you know, out of good. So that's uh, going back to that um, thing that Rubes was just talking about before. And uh, thirdly, that this view makes sense since the life of the unjust is better than the just. So mm. although he doesn't agree with these statements, yeah. he's got to like really set like this out that. like Thrasymachus. Yeah. I thought they were really clever and very interesting, particularly mm. on that third point. Yeah, for sure. I agree. So, um, I mean, origin of justice, uh, I think, yeah, this is really pretty much a, a straight up uh, rehash of what Thrasymachus sort of had listed there. Um, more or less is just sort of saying that it's, really about what sort of gets made lawful really um i suppose he does kind of like uh, break it down a little bit from there because he sort of talks about the law being a compromise so it's not necessarily the best solution um but it allows the people who implement the law to still remain a little bit unjust without punishment um but also they're going to suffer a little bit of injustice which they may have to allow to be uh you know or they're not able to retaliate through because of the law. Um, so he's just saying it's like an, an average point between these two things. So it's not it's not perfect, but it's kind of like the lesser of two evils. And he reckons that that's kind of the origin of justice. Um, yeah, I really liked that. And that that also feels really modern, that idea. Um, it, it, you know, I, I've uh, looked at a lot of stuff around morality over the last few years and um straight away like it made me think about have you ever seen the um scientist guys that are trying to discover how morality evolves through monkeys no yeah Yeah, i think ruben has but um so the the experiment is hilarious to watch and i don't think it proves morality but it's funny it's a funny experiment so they've got like these two little spider monkeys and they've taught them that if they hand the um, scientist a pebble that they will get a reward um which can be something like a grape so, um, but they've also created like a hierarchy of treats um, based on what the monkeys like most. So grapes are like, okay. It's like giving a dog a piece of ham. You know, it's not a piece of yeah. chicken or, or, or a smacko, but it's something that they'll happily eat. Um, so what they do is they put these two monkeys in two cages side by side where they can see each other. And they get the first monkey to hand the trainer a rock. And then the trainer gives them a grape. And he happily eats the grape. 
And then the other monkey does the same task and gets given a piece of mango, which is right at the top of their favorite things. Mm. And um, the, the monkey who did the first one who got the grapes sees this and thinks, sweet, I'm going to get mango. And so straight away picks up the rock in anticipation for the sinus <clears throat> coming back. Sinus comes back, monkey hands him the rock and gets given a grape. And it looks at it confused, like, what? <laughs> and then the other monkey gives them the rock and gets the mango again. And so the monkey throws the grape at the scientist. <laughs> <laughs> he just so it. then like the scientist gets him to do it a third time, hands him the, gets the rock and hands him and immediately throws the grape back at the scientist and starts having a tantrum. <laughs> and I just thought, like, geez, that's funny. Um, but that's, they're trying to show through that behavior that like, um, morality can come out of uh, nature and um, I'm not sure that that's right but the it made me think about this like this is kind of what this guy is saying is that you know people experience this unfair thing um, you know, mm. whether or not they're doing the unfair thing or they're re- receiving the unfair thing and they just hate it so much that they would rather compromise and and just do a set of rules that mm. people still have a consequence, but you're not the one doing the consequence. You know, the, the cops do, or, or the, the soldiers do, or the, the governor does. Um, yeah. so, so then it removes that task of you having to, you know, grab your sword and go and take vengeance, and thus yep. corrupting yourself. But it also means the other person can't pick on you and get bullied. Yeah, mm. it's sort of, you can see it's a bit more sophisticated than what Thrasy Marcus was saying. In the sense that it becomes, um, you know, something that's functional or agreed on, um, more so than just enforced. Like it, it becomes, it's it's a it becomes a convention, but it's a convention that's necessary, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I th- I thought, yeah, I really enjoyed that bit too. I thought that was interesting, and I don't know whether I said this the other week, but I've heard the Plato's Republic referred to as um, basically all of philosophy is just a footnote to Plato. Um, <laughs> And you can kind of see it starting to come out here because that idea where he's discussing that idea of justice and, and, and the good um, is it's basically social contract theory. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is like an enlightenment ideal, which was, you know, lauded at the time, but ultimately it's, it's, it's something that they were talking about, you know, way back in, in the Greek times. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a really interesting argument. Um, before we move on, um, like, where do we want to go from there? Do we want to spend more time on this point, or do we move to the next one? Well, I feel like um, we've I, definitely explained it well. <laughs> no, the, yeah. the the main thing I think of it, I, I, the main my takeaway from that is he's, he's essentially he's arguing that justice is just a convention. Hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> um, but with with that with, with the first point where he where he talks about how how we come to know about justice and it essentially is due to the society and the way you're taught. For me, my thought was, um, this is not really an argument for what justice is. For me, they're in turn point one and two. They're basically an explanation of how people learn what justice is and then reasoning for why they would comply with it. To me, mm-hmm. they're, they're not really they're not really arguments for what justice is, but they're actually arguments for how you know what they are and why you would do it. Um, yeah. that, that was my immediate thought. Hmm. Do you, I don't that know whether sense. he's presenting, do you think he's presenting it as 
an explanation for what justice is? I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to set the framework to to, to build on from there. That it's just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm going to start with, you know, <clears throat> this is almost like part of his definition for what we know. Because I think he like refers to it as like what's commonly understood. You know what I mean? Mm. And so he's just yeah. trying to start in the most basic sort of understanding for most people that that's how they that's how they experience justice. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, and I, I think. I'm happy to move on because I'm really excited to talk about the second one. Um, <laughs> what do you mean the second, the bro, the second brother or the, the third? No, no, no. That his um, point two the... is it? Uh, yeah, his point it, two. Um, yeah, people people like practice justice out of the necessity, not good. Yes. So yeah. that that statement, once he unpacks it with the story, um, yeah. Who's who's the guy? Oh, the ring. Yeah. Yeah, I'm That's like, right. oh, Tolkien uh, borrowed from this far out. Tolkien's <laughs> the plagiarist. <laughs> Watch all my Pretty Tolkien much. fan mates um, have a crack at me about that. But like, no, I, just... no, I think I think that's totally fair. There's no doubt in my mind that he was aware of this story. For sure. Yeah, like if you look at the backstory of Gollum, um, when he does find the ring, mm. uh, have you have you ever read it, Lachlan? The... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how he like um, does go into the village and starts causing mischief. Yeah. And, and I think he does steal some stuff. Um, yeah. I, I thought, oh, this, this is su- super uh, <laughs> super familiar, <laughs> this this example. For those playing at home, this is a, a fable of, I think it was called Gyges or Gyges. Gyges. I'm not, not, yeah, not I don't too know sure. how to say it. So uh, there's a story about a, a good-hearted shepherd who uh, basically finds a ring of invincibility, uh, sorry, invisibility, I should say, uh, which might sound familiar, as you say. On some sort of alien or something. Uh, was, More than I, human. I think that was the thing. It was inside the, what was it? A, a yeah. It's like a hole in the ground. It? What said it was something yeah. that was more than human. That's yes. right. That's and I'm like, oh, yeah. here we go. It's, uh, it's aliens all over again. There's probably an egg in there. <laughs> egg starts opening. <laughs> So uh, in, in spite of our shepherd being a, a good-hearted person and uh, as we would sort of say in our example, perhaps uh, just, um, he basically works at this ring and make him invisible and to use it for his own gain, winds up killing a king, taking his wife, taking his lands and uh, basically taking everything he can get for himself. So uh, going from being a, a good shepherd to uh, a thief and a murderer and whatever else just to get his own way yeah i like i like the way that he told that story and then he's like all right now that you're thinking about that think about this and he's like if you had two people a just person Mm. with that ring and an unjust person with that ring and he basically says nobody is going to get that ring and not basically do what gaijus did that's essentially his argument isn't it yeah i think later on later on he, he basically says if you didn't you're an idiot yeah, <laughs> well, you're either an idiot, or he said you're basically a, a saint or a god. He said, "I don't think any man could yeah. do it." It was, yeah, more or less. You must you must have a bit of a godliness in you to be able to withstand the, the temptation. Yeah, yeah. So I, you liked that bit, did you, Timmy? Oh, I really enjoyed it because I straight away my, you know, ADHD mind was just like, "Oh, Lord of the Rings, alien, like, <laughs> woo, all these awesome ideas start coming to my mind." Um, like and thinking like oh you know was 
is that the point of Frodo? Like, is that the point of why Frodo is like super, super good, but even by the end, he gets corrupted? Mm. Mm, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some ties here. Hey, um, yeah. actually, had a pretty good um quote, sort of following on from that, to just kind of like cement the idea, which was um, <clears throat> I'll just read it. Uh, here he is. And this we may truly affirm to be great proof that a man is just, not willingly or because he thinks that justice is any good to him individually, but of necessity. For wherever anyone thinks that he can safely be unjust, then he is unjust. For all men believe in their hearts that injustice is far more profitable to the individual than justice. Yeah, so, um, I highlighted that bit too, man. I was like, yeah, that's there it is. Mm. There's the argument. Absolutely. It is well stated. Yeah, because that kind of then pushes into his third structured point, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That life of the unjust is better than the just. Oh, Which and is, his analogy. At this point, it's going to be a tough out. argument, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, I like, and it gets, it, it, once again, it starts to get a little bit abstract, but I liked how he's, he's talking about, um, like, if you're, he's like, if you're, if you're acting as a just person just for the praise of it, then it doesn't mm. really count. Um, so he's like, to be a just person, you have to be a just person, but you need everyone has to think that you're unjust because otherwise you're not a just person. Like it's a little bit circular where I'm like, yeah, that's interesting. But then he, he travels from that and goes, so the person who is just and everyone thinks he's unjust, what happens to him? <laughs> and then they land on, oh yeah, yeah, he's crucified. He's, uh, you know, he's got his eyes gouged out. <laughs> <laughs> he's tortured to death. And I'm like, that's a bit of a slippery slope. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I love the fact that they all agree on that, though. They're like, yeah, that would totally happen. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I'm guessing their society was a little different. I, maybe, <laughs> just, I, maybe back then, if everyone, if everyone in society thought you were you were an unjust person, that's you. You were gone. They would just drag you out and, and torture you to death or something. I don't know. In, in fairness, he does sort of precede that by saying, um, "We're going to try and like lay out the most extreme example of." Uh, yeah. You know, I think the success yeah, of the right. unjust a few disclaimers. <clears throat> yeah. He throws yeah. out a few disclaimers. He goes, look, I don't really think this, but this is what people are saying. This is not my ideas. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, but I think like the right, really, because... that interesting bit you're talking about, Rubes, about like being unjust, but looking like you are just and basically having that cloak of, or the facade of this like great person who's actually shafting as many people as possible behind the veil of that and getting away with it and having the means, I think was the thing they kept talking about was like, um, you know, the capability to be able to get away with it, either being able to talk your way out of an argument, having friends that would support you out of a situation or having the money to bribe your way out of it or whatever it may well be, but just having the means to basically be an asshole, rip everyone off and still get away with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you've touched on something there. Like he um particularly with talking about having that success and being that um you know if you get all of the the wealth, well, you know, you can you can bribe the gods anyway. So, you know, mm. if, yeah, if you have brother brings that up later. Yeah, so so if you've been corrupt, if you if you've milked it and, and but you've got all the stuff 
and gods can be appeased by you know making some sacrifices buying a ball uh doing all those different things you know build a build a college dorm for somebody or build a library <laughs> or a hospital room oh, uh, then you'll doing. be sweet you'll be sweet <laughs> <laughs> Bring it into the modern age. Yeah, I think he uh, he basically sort of says, um, you know, the unjust man will get success for himself, will gain friends, and be able to honour them and the gods in better style than the uh, than the just man will. So, therefore, between gods and man, um, they would all unite in making the life of the unjust better than the just. Yeah, yeah. I like what his brother said about that because yeah. I, I really like the bit where he goes. Well, I mean, what we know about the gods comes from the poets. So either mm. there are no gods and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Or we have to rely on what the poets say. And he's like, mm. and all the poets mm. basically say, uh, you make the right sacrifices and prayers and you're good to go. And he's yeah. like, so you've got yeah. nowhere to go from here. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So this is uh, Glaucon's brother, uh, Adimantus, I think his name is. Yeah, because he's kind of just adding on to the argument, isn't he? Yeah, I picture Wolverine whenever I read that word. I just hear adamantium. Yeah, yeah my one too, embarrassingly enough. He's the best X-Men. He's the most useless one, and he's the best one. <laughs> hey, speaking of... Actually, remind me, at the end, um, that's my talking point. I just I just realized what it is. So remind me, just okay. remind me Wolverine. Okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll write it down. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Glaucon's I, brother just basically sort of jumps into the argument because he thinks that... Glaucon's basically done a good job in kind of summarizing um, Thrasymachus and he just kind of like wants to throw a bit of sizzle on the end there just to um, make sure we're really kind of covering it off the argument, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah, so he's really talking about that sort of like whole appearance of justice and starts sort of talking about, you know, how you know, a child being raised in the world is going to view justice and that parents may seek to sort of like raise their children saying, you know, to be just as good and that you should, you know, aspire to, to try and be this good person, right? And that there's rewards in being just and that, you know, you talk about the heroes and uh, all the stuff of, of Greek legend and, you know, maybe some of this stuff that's sort of, uh, you know, written by the poets and, you know, the, uh, you know, exalted in the halls of heaven. And uh, actually there was a great one uh, that I had sort of highlighted there um, was the story of, uh, was it Messias, who uh, states that the greatest reward for some of the saints was to lie around on couches, feasting and crowned yeah. in garlands in immortality of drunkenness. <laughs> <laughs> so basically just hanging out, getting pissed forever, you know. Uh, <laughs> that's the highest achievement you could seek. <laughs> wow. Perpetual drunkenness. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, obviously, on the flip side of that, they're actually talking about uh, Hades and uh, hell and damnation. So, um, you know, so to, to be unjust, like setting this scene for the kids that, you know, there's some morality here uh, that you need to consider and you should try and, and live well and, and do this sort of thing. But it, he's sort of like throwing this juxtaposition of like, we're telling our kids this, but then they're watching what's actually going down and what's going down is this whole different kind of rap, you know? It's... Yeah. And he basically says the smart ones are going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Even he says I mean, that at one point, he's like, he's like the smart ones will figure it out. Anyone, any of hmm. them that are paying attention will realize just pay the right people, grease the right farms, you know, make the right sacrifices. And what does it matter what you do? 
Well, yeah. I, I think that the main sort of thing he's kind of getting onto as well is that, you know, being just is hard. And that's what they're talking about, I think, with like uh, the just man sort of, you know, okay, being a bit extreme there, talking about getting his eyes sort of uh, gouged out and what have you. But they're saying life's going to be hard because if you want to do everything, you know, uh, truthfully, honestly, you're not going to get the best deal. You, you know, maybe, you know, you need to try and like, uh, you know, pave the way with a little bit of uh, black money to kind of like get a deal that you won't do that. So everything you do is going to be harder. And um, whilst it might be, you know, the best outcome when you're sort of going to heaven or whatever it may well be or, or whatever they're envisaging, um, you're busting your ass your whole life and having no fun getting there. Whereas yeah. go the unjust way. The doors of vice are open, mate. Jump on in, get into whatever you like, you know, do this, do that, do whatever. And then, you know, just, yeah, pay that money off to the gods and uh, you're sweet, you know. So uh, you can still go to heaven. you just got to pay that money. It's all good. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's an interesting point because um, if justice is just a convention, then there's no reason why you can't just buy it. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because they're they're trying to balance this sort of argument about, you know, um, about what is it? And then, uh, I'm not sure if it was actually, uh, Thrasymachus or, um, uh, who was it, um, who was speaking before Thrasymachus in book one? Um, well, I'll get my notes. Hang on. I can't remember now. Um, but they were sort of talking, um, Uh, about when you want to. Polymarchus, I think. Yeah. And they're, they're talking about whether you really want to teach your kids to be truly just or, or just to kind of have that veneer. And um, yeah. as you say, I think uh, Adamantus is just sort of saying, yeah, the smart ones will work it out, that you just want to look like you're, you're playing the game, but you're actually just out for yourself every step of the way. Yeah. Um, going, sort of going back, winding back a little bit, the bit or the, the, the fate of the, un, of the just man. Um, mm. I, I kind of I do this thing to people that I talk to, and I call it Jesus smuggling. Um, and what it is <laughs> is like, if you're having a conversation about substantial, or someone asks for advice, I, I, sometimes I open up and I'm like, look, I'm happy to give you my thoughts and, and, and tell you what I think, but at some point during this conversation, I'm going to Jesus smuggle you. Um, <laughs> and, and what that means is, uh, what that means is, I'm a Christian, so at some point, um, it, it's going to come back to that. And, and that really hit home when I was reading the, the passage about what happens to the unjust man. It says, um, yeah, I'll just read it. Uh, this is, I think this is during Glaucon's bit. And he says, this is what the, the fate of the, the just man. He says, they will say that the just man, as we have pictured him, will be scourged, tortured, and imprisoned. His eyes will be put out. And after enduring every humiliation, he will be crucified and learn at least that one should not to uh, would would not want to be but to seem just um Mm. but basically when reading that bit i'm like that to anybody who's even not non-christians anyone that's read sort of read the bible and knows a little bit about jesus they sort of hear that bit and it's like yeah all right that sounds really familiar um just this idea that the truly just person um the world is going to chew them up spit them out yeah. Um, so I I thought that was really interesting. And then when you combine that with what you were saying earlier about them saying the only person who's going to take that ring and do the right thing has got to be a god because no man mm. can do it. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I just say you take those two things and you tie them together, and then you fast forward a, a couple of years uh, and you read the New Testament. There's there's some really interesting links there, I think. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I was talking to my wife about that today because I was reading that and I was just like, wow. Like, yeah, that's that's very familiar. Yeah, yeah some interesting parallel there for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah big time. Yeah. It just, yeah, it makes you wonder. And I think later we're going to talk about what we think Socrates' comeback is going to be. Yeah. Trying to anticipate yeah. his argument and probably fail miserably, but for me, that that's at that first point when you see when you see that kind of synchronicity, it makes me think there's got to be something more to this justice thing than just convention. Mm. When you start to see those synchronicities popping up everywhere, but anyway, yeah, I, I'm a churchy too. Um, but as you know, I've listened to many things, and I think um, what's his name? Isn't that kind of the stuff that Carl Jung was trying to look at as well? Is like meta story stuff. Like in, in uh, yeah, I, conversations I don't know enough myth, about like common themes. I don't know enough about Jung. I'm, uh, I haven't really looked into him. I'm, I'm skeptical. Oh yeah, rightly so. Yeah, he had some crazy ideas, but um, yeah, like I think, I think, um, well, that's what Peterson talks about all the time: is archetypes, um, yeah. and and that's what Jung talked about a lot: is archetypes. So. Hmm. Um, they're kind of tapping into the same thing probably as what maybe maybe what Socrates was well I mean if you know you're, you're Christian I'm Christian if, if there's a truth like if, if something's true then it will be it'll be universally true, true. Yeah. yeah so you know I I see those things and, and, and points to that for me for sure that's yeah, um, interesting yeah I had, I had similar thoughts man like and I was talking about with my missus as I was saying and it was just it was a bit trippy. I was like, "Wow, this is this is really really familiar, but in a place that I would never expect to read it." <laughs> yeah. But, um. Did Did you want to chime in on that, Lachlan? You don't have to go all religious like we did. Whatever your thoughts are. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Look. I, I guess. Like. I must admit. Um. Like. Aside from thinking about the. Uh, the the crucifixion i didn't sort of draw so much parallels but i'm uh i'm not quite so well well schooled as you guys no, you're, <laughs> so, uh, you can sit there and say no you guys are reading too much into it that's fine you can say that. <laughs> no, no, look i i could absolutely see the parallels there in the, in the uh in the story for sure um but um yeah I, I think you guys actually put it pretty well so makes sense to me yeah i think it's good um yeah um, sort of rolling on from that point, we sort of get to um, like Adamantus, I think, comes to maybe like the crux of what his discussion is. And I guess he's also kind of like throwing uh, Socrates a bit of a bone here. And um, he talks about, you know, so we've gone through all this stuff where, you know, we're trying to teach our kids the right thing, but they're sort of out in the world and they're seeing what's what's really going on. And He's sort of saying, you know, maybe we're actually telling the wrong thing to our kids and filling their heads with the stories of heroes, <clears throat> getting glory of basically going to heaven and getting pissed. That's probably not the right message, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so he's saying, you know, maybe we actually need to talk more about what's the benefit for the soul. And um, this is really where he kind of like starts to sow the seeds for, I think, well, what I think is probably going to be the uh, the argument going forward. So he's saying, you know, uh, we want to t- sort of rise above what the material benefits are 
And, you know, we've had this whole thing with Thrasymachus where we're trying to like weigh up, you know, what's, what's better in life being, being just or unjust based on like what a material gain you're going to get out of it to starting to focus on your soul and what's good for you. Yeah. Um, and he's saying, you know, if the soul had been the focus, you know, uh, you know, to, I, I think he's got a nice little quote there, something about uh, keeping evil um, from your hearts and having that as the lesson for the youths, then may, it'd be the self that manages that evil instead of the law because you want to be a good person because you're a moral person, you're a just person because you understand that is the best way to be and that's that's giving you something personally for your soul, not just physical or, yeah. you know, advancement yeah. of some kind. But they, but they get there because I think they all agree at the end of his argument that um, the unjust man gets better material rewards totally so and i i think that's an interesting outcome and they don't none of them disagree like they, they all mm. get to that what conclusion do you think? Do you think it's true uh, that unjust people get a better material reward yeah, do, you <laughs> yeah. think it's true? do i think it's true oh um gosh i we're talking maybe, about a material reward maybe 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 but, well let's but, put it uh, no, here's, here's think... an example here's a modern day example right Every movie I've watched since at least before my children were born, I have paid for. So my whole iTunes library for movies, I've bought every single movie. Uh, I've rented every single movie that I want to watch. I've I've not downloaded, at least that I can recall, um, any TV shows or movies illegally for at least, at least since before my son was born, which is 12 years ago. Um, now, if I look at that, at a financial level so my my itunes library has over 100 movies so let's say that they were and i'm an impatient person so i always get them as they come out so let's say they're 20 dollars each that's conservative right that how far behind am i financially from the guy that pirated those movies (laughs) i'm thousands out thousands out right so yeah. yeah so i would say materially there's a there's an argument there for that for sure well, and I think you, you might want to sort of think about, and I, I don't want to throw shade at like some of the richest men in the world, right, or, or women for that matter, um, but they've probably stabbed a lot of people on the way through to the top, right? Um, but I don't know. Uh, you look at it and you think, well, you know, uh, philanthropy, you know, is that the way that they're trying to pay off? their debt to society from shafting a ton of people on the way through. <laughs> it's like, I've made billions and now I'm going to pay something back in to try and like offset the damage I did on the way through. Is that what you, Clear that my what you said earlier to Before you I know, go like, to an early grave. Yeah, yeah like that's pay, pretty. Pay for a wing of a hospital or a, That's right, that's right. You know, I, I climbed to the top of this mountain on a pile of corpses. So now I need to revive many, many below me to get that going. <laughs> Balance the scales. It, it, but it's exactly uh, what you see with um, the original discussion that we had with uh, Cephalus at the at the start, and you know he's saying how he can you know he can sleep easy as an old man because he's not ravaged yeah. by dreams about the people he shafted on his way through through to the top uh, because he didn't do that, uh, whereas he knows lots of other old men you know are, are bitter and you know sort of twisted from you know thinking about you know, or what's going to happen to me now that, you know, my day of reckoning might be coming and we've got to kind of 
make good on all of those bad things I did in my life on the way through. Yeah, so you got to wonder sort of that that unavoidable that unavoidable sense of guilt. Um, yeah. I don't I don't want to go on a tangent, but you know, and to and to hear crime and punishment, you know what I mean, like. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts, Ruben? Like, we we answered the question. What what what's your answer? What do you think? I don't know. I forget what we're talking about. <laughs> I just realised I muted myself. About um, you know, does does the unjust person have a better material outcome better than material. the just person? Oh. Yes, I think in aggregate, yes. I mean, you could probably find individual cases here and there where it's not the case. Mm. Um, but I think if you're just talking about pure mathematics, like pure cause and effect, in in, in aggregate, yeah, why not? I, th- I think they probably do. Well, there you go. So we agree with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of like, there's all sorts of, like, I mean, if a man earns a hundred thousand dollars and spends it on a car and then the car depreciates you know is he got a better material value than somebody you, you know what i mean like but you could get into that for, for, yeah. for hours i think I, I think you just have to accept that somebody who's willing to go that extra mile and step on that extra person and, and maybe maybe tweak mm. the numbers here and there is going to do better yeah agree yeah but you know i guess like the question they're trying to lay down is that maybe the just man doesn't like because he's getting something else out of it it's okay you know what i mean we don't don't need to hit the heights of you know fame and fortune or whatever it may well be if there's something for the soul you know what i mean well i think that's exactly uh, their point like if mm, there is mm. a benefit it mustn't be material yeah yeah so what is it and i think that's where they start going and and you reckon that's well you reckon that's that's where is heading well that's the thing so um, I I intentionally have kept stopping from reading at this point because I don't want to um, stuff it up and get a spoiler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you guys I managed to? Yes, well yeah. done. Yes, yeah, same. Yeah, oh, stuck nice. to it. Okay, so we're we're all in this place of mystery. Mm. Um, mm. I just hope it's not like after the Matrix Two, where Matrix Three came out, and I was just disappointed. Oh, <laughs> I I'd, I'd have to watch him again. I, I, you know, I, that's right. At the time, I was disappointed. I rewatched them this year, and I actually like the ending now. <laughs> I don't know what's changed in myself, uh, but we'll save like, we'll save that for another episode. The ending's actually <laughs> I'm actually happy with the ending now. So yeah. maybe I should use Star Wars as an analogy. Episode eight. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, I, I suppose, um, touch on one uh, sort of thing too, because sure. you know, and we, we're sort of talking just briefly about like. Um, some interesting parallels with uh, with Jesus's crucifixion and all that sort of thing, um, and it's interesting looking at the lens of their society too, based on the structure of gods that they had, because the the god system was sort of pretty crazy in ancient Greece, because uh, there's lots of them, and a lot of them were pretty fallible kind of people so it's not like uh, sort of our vision of, of christian god um it is definitely of this you know these people are murdering they are um cheating on their husbands or wives and doing all kinds of nasty stuff right yeah and there's the some reference, 
And there you was know? some reference in there to the poets or the people who were who giving the information about the gods as being demigods, as in mm. children of gods and that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, It's really quite fascinating. And you can understand their confusion with morality when, and I guess it's hard not to put a Christian lens on it, right? Because because from a Christian lens, you, you sort of have this natural good and evil morality sphere. And um, I, I think it's really interesting if you were just in their world and you, you had all of these gods that you're answering to and, um, you know, they could be like quite petty and turn on you in an instant and, uh, you know, wreck a good man and, you know, promote a bad man and all this sort of thing. And it, I just find it interesting that, you know, how can you trust a god or any of these gods who can be bought off with wealth and sacrifice yeah, well, you can't. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and whether you've given enough plunder that you've raped and pillaged through your life to to buy your way into mm. into the good place instead of the bad place. Hey, I I learned you yeah, I season that's... one of Room Lockin. Have you watched it yet? No, oh, I come on. Oh, Ruben and I love that yeah. show. Yeah, that show that show really targets that issue very mm. very well several times. Yeah. It's a good show. What yeah, we're going to say that um i i think that's a very very astute observation there lachlan i i had some similar thoughts very very it's a very very good point um and it almost ties in with the whole well if justice is a convention can you buy it mm. and it's almost like well if justice is a convention can you buy it and if gods are fallible can you pay them off mm. um, I, I reckon I we'll find to, out the answers next week <laughs> i don't i don't yeah as I, say, I don't want to upset people but um that idea, because they talk about being able to pay for penance for the dead, you know what I mean? Like basically buy relatives out of Hades. Mm. And that's an idea that comes back up again pre-Reformation, um, which is fascinating that it comes back again as, as kind of like a, uh, almost like a, a, a warped. When when did that happen? Pre, when's pre-Reformation? I'm shady with that. Uh, like just just before, like, like you know, when Luther comes along and, and does his thing, and uh, I'm not taking sides on what happened there, but yeah, um, what all I'm suggesting is is that there there was a point where um, where there were certain Catholic priests that would take money or other things, and they would they would tell people, you know, if you you pay the right amount, we can get your brother or your sister or your uncle or your auntie out of hell or whatever. <laughs> sorry, it might be out of purgatory. Ah, um, oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was similar Look, I, to some they, they of the might... messages sent during the crusade too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You go and sacrifice your life in, in this crusade and you, you might be able to pay penance for others. Look, that that I might be butchering that. So if there are some good Catholics listening and they will want to correct me on it, I'd be more than happy <laughs> to hear it. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah. but um, yeah, so yeah, very interesting that it's a, that that's a very old idea. It's not a mm. new one, and it's mm. sort of it's resurfaced through the through the through the ages. Yeah, I wonder. Did the um? I don't know the answer to this, but uh, I might be curious to look it up. But um, did the um ancient Greeks think that they would take whatever fortunes they made in this life through to the next life? Because obviously that was a fairly oh, common know. thing in the old world. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I wonder if that was like part of their motivation to just like the whole uh, Gordon Gecko greed is good and uh, <laughs> just, uh, you know, get ahead as much as you can, right? Because you want to kind of like lay the foundation for your, uh, you know. the next life. Yeah. I'll have yeah, to I'm look sure that up. That I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, I think that'll do for 
book two, part A, or part one, uh, for this week. Um, so let's move on to the segment we call the pub for lots of us. <laughs> Imagine so, uh, a jingle here. Yes, <laughs> insert jingle here. Um, that does sound Greek. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. Um, right. Let's let's kick it off. So um, I think this week we were going to talk a little bit about music, but first I'll remind you, Ruben, of the word Wolverine. So what did you oh, want to talk yeah. about? Yeah. Just this afternoon, my kids are watching. There's a really old cartoon series of X-Men. Um, I didn't get into it as a kid, and I they've sort of been watching it and I haven't really been enjoying it just sort of as it's going in the background but there was an ex there was a, an episode with um, that blue character who can teleport Nightcrawler I think his name is yeah that's anyway awesome. they find him in a monastery and he gives this whole diatribe of how he's found God and trusts God despite um, being persecuted in this world and then he gets in like this little argument with Wolverine where Wolverine's like, I turned my back on God eight for ages ago. You know, why would he create a creature like me? And, um, and then Nightcrawler was kind of giving the opposite side of that argument. It wasn't particularly sophisticated, but there, there are a couple of things that I noticed. I was like, I'm actually really happy to ha- have my kids be exposed to this as a conversation because it's a really real conversation that happens in real life. And the other thing that occurred to me is, I don't think I've seen a character in popular culture um, give Nightcrawler's side of the um, Christian religious um, concept of reality like that since. Because um, I heard it on the TV and I'm like, this is really strange. You just wouldn't hear this anymore. So that really mm. struck me because I'm like, it's rare. There are a lot of there are a lot of people out there that sort of believe something or something to that effect but it's not heard and I think it's almost like um, almost not allowed to be made that argument's almost not allowed to be made in a public sphere I don't know whether not allowed is the right word but you just don't see it like when you hmm. see sort of the, the Christian worldview in in, um, in mainstream culture now it's this really gross dumbed down bigoted version that just has no real depth to it but so I, it was really jarring just to hear it in this really old 90 i think it's a 90s cartoon mm. um something that um, i wouldn't say it, like it fully resembles a, a really you know sophisticated version of christianity but just to hear it that was at least sort of ballpark i'm just like that's really interesting um so yeah that that, that that's, that's something i've been thinking about this afternoon it was very yeah, that was interesting. I'm ra- I'm racking my brain for other examples, and the first one that came to mind is older, which is Mash, with the old Catholic priest in that. I, I used to love his character, <laughs> um, Father Mo- Mohei or something like that. I can't quite remember. Okay, okay, yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, yeah, I used to think he was cool, um, but there was a, a very uh, <clears throat> recent example of someone who believed in the Bible um, as a Christian that was actually quite good and of all places it was in assassin's creed valhalla oh, and um spoiler alert if you haven't played that game uh skip forward. i have but i haven't gotten to that bitch i blocked my ears for a minute yeah yeah skip skip forward by 30 seconds <laughs> um i won't say who it is then so i won't spoil it for you but there's a character um usually obviously the templars are the villains in those games um there's a character who uh 
is in the Templar organization, let's say, um, who actually ends up being uh, a legit good person because of their faith. And it was just, I was oh. like, wow, it's so rare to see. I've not, particularly in an Assassin's Creed game where like they constantly sledge, um, you know, the Catholics and, and the Templars and all those different uh, Christian denominational mm. variances, you know. It was really surprisingly cool, but I can't think of any other example, Ruben. You're right. Like I'm trying to. All right, Tim, stop it. Fine, I'll play the bloody game already. I'll, I'll... Fine. <laughs> nah. It is in my it. I, for a long, long time, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood was my favorite Assassin's Creed game. Valhalla is my new favorite. Mm. That's a big call. I do enjoy Valhalla, but uh, I have to say, Odyssey was. Uh was still kind of like that return to form that I really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, I loved Odyssey. Yeah. I, I will say that Odyssey did the depth of the game a little bit better with the gear and that sort of stuff. I find the gear system not as, um, what's the right word, not as satisfying in Valhalla. Like I used the mm. same artist armor set for such a long time because they made it really difficult to level up to a significant level um, that and the set bonuses were so good, why would you lose those set bonuses? So it kind of prevented you from wanting to experiment with different armor sets yeah, until you're in game. So but um right, so you boys yeah, you good. boys are gonna talk talk music apparently. Yeah, you go first, Lachlan. What have you been listening you to? You didn't tell you didn't tell me you had to bring a song of the week. Like that <laughs> <laughs> just really randomly I've been uh sort of going back to something I used to listen to when I was probably um Oh, let's say around about like 18 to 22 or something like that. I was like really into um, acid jazz, which is kind of like, um, that's probably a weird term for most people these days. I wouldn't know what the hell it is. But I suppose it was like kind of like new jazz at the time is what it might have been. It's kind of like uh, jazz R&B fusion, I guess you'd kind of call it. So uh, I've been listening to a whole bunch of old stuff that I used to listen to, and uh, yeah, it's been loving it. Um, brand new heavies, um, Directions in Groove, who were like a Sydney-based sort of funk jazz band. They were awesome. Uh, Incognito, <clears throat> um, early Jamiroquai sort of stuff. Been having a blast with it. It's been great. Oh, I'm, I'm coming up blanks. Jamiroquai, that's that's a name I know, but the rest of that stuff coming up blanks. Yeah, you know what? Like it was just kind of like a moment in time, and uh, I, I was really into um, jazz and funk, like in the late nineties. So, um, so uh, yeah, I kind of explored everything that was on the table at that point in time. And there's a lot of like sort of unusual kind of like uh, hip hop jazz fusions that were sort of going on at the time. Um, so, yeah, all, all kinds of what, interesting. Like, was that like kind of that Cat Empire gear? I remember. There's a band. Uh, there's something else. I, yeah, that, that, that's that is a little bit something else. But uh, I like those guys. They're yeah. good. Yeah, no, they were right. Never mind. But um, yeah, anyway, that, that's what I've been. Right. That's what I've been getting into this week. Oh, just quickly, while we're sort of talking about sort of music slash games, I, I've been playing a new game, but it does sort of feature some interesting music. Right. So I'll quickly tackle that one. Um, Art of Rally which oh. is uh, oh, free on okay. Xbox Game Pass. And yep. um, it's kind of like a retro sort of low res sort of, 
you know, retro rally game, trying to go back to the, uh, the golden days of like sort of like 60s, 70s, 80s rally. And it features a gloriously sort of 80s electro um, soundtrack on it, which is awesome. Mad. Um, it's, um, so what, it's what was that called again? Uh, the art, art of Rally. Art of Rally. Well, yeah. I'll check that out. Is, for anyone out there, Game Pass is the bomb. Like if you're just like casual gamers, like most of us hmm. middle-aged men, like it's great. You can just sort of log on and pick and choose all this stuff. There's new stuff every week. It's great. I love it. New sponsor, Xbox. <laughs> Get in there. That's, that's how I was playing uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, which I'm really enjoying too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, that's a good segue. Have you got, have you got Game Class, Timmy? I, I did sign up for it for a month just to see oh, okay. Microsoft uh, Flight Sim because I didn't want to pay 170 bucks for it. Um, <laughs> so I for something you'd muck around on and probably never go back to. Yeah, so the first thing I did was fly from um, Sydney Airport to my house <laughs> at, at like 500 feet um, and then you know went to Paris and a few other places and um, that's been pretty cool. I was trying to find some mine ruins um, mm. but I just I couldn't find them. They might not actually be in the game. I'm not sure if they've bothered with those, but I was in there's definitely in some pretty mad looking mountains over there, but mm. uh couldn't find the right place. I um, think uh they're releasing uh, the new Horizon's gonna be on Xbox uh, on Game Pass free of charge November. Mad. Yes it is. Yeah. Mm. We'll, have to do, we'll, we'll have to do a stream. When that comes out, we'll have to figure <laughs> out how to do a streamed episode of that. That'd be good. Timmy, start working on the tech now. Alright, I want it. I want it. <laughs> Sorry, back to music. Uh, yeah. What have you guys been listening to? Um, well, I've, um, you know, I love game soundtracks, so I've got every Assassin's Creed game soundtrack there is. Um, but one of the guys who does the Valhalla soundtrack, he's got two other bands, and they do like, um, it's like a cross between metal, rock, and uh, Norse folk music. It's really weird stuff. Um, and I've been getting into their album. It's called um, uh, Runeld Yod Ragnarok. And um, it's mad. <laughs> they have the first song is called Tear. And it just sounds like you're going into war. It's the best soundtrack to do weights to. Like, it's mad. It's just like all these men going like, Tear! Ooh! <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> so I'm really enjoying that, that guy's stuff. Um, I've listened to it a lot lately. So, yeah, I'm digging it. Yeah, yeah. Are you listening well, you to the uh, oh, sorry. best yeah. game soundtrack ever has been? Oh, that's a massive question. <laughs> I'm I'm going to say that probably my favorite game soundtrack uh, is Doom, as in okay. the, the newer one. The music in that is epic. I think Mick Gordon was the guy that made that stuff. It is so good. It's proper metal though, like proper stuff. It's good. Yeah. How about you, Oh, I'd have to give it some thought. I, when you say game soundtrack, for some reason, Red Alert Two is what pops to mind. Yes. That that intro song, it's still burned into my mind somewhere. How about you, Lachlan? Um, actually, actually oh, speaking of games and music, the, another game on Game Pass called uh, The Ascent, um, that's got a really good, meaty 
electronic kind of 80s vibe synth soundtrack on it and it kicks Ooh. in every time the violence starts and it's like yeah this is, this is nice so check that out that's a co-op game too if you guys want to try that out one night yeah 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 that sounds cool yeah uh, my, my fave uh, game soundtrack it's going back a little ways this is kind of like late 90s PC game um, called Interstate 76 which was <laughs> uh, <laughs> set in the uh you know the 70s fuel crisis and uh in in the us and uh it's just like heavy 70s funk and it is glorious i still cars in that yeah that was good uh, there's the mad cars in there and uh i bought the pack that came with the uh the soundtrack and i still have it and i still listen to it every (laughs) now and then (laughs) oh seriously yeah bring back some memories they need to remake that game it was so it good. I loved that game. game. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, I've changed my mind for favorite soundtrack for music. It's um, <laughs> the Destiny soundtrack. I have it on vinyl. Paul McCartney helped write that soundtrack. It is amazing. It is so good. So, yeah, yeah. that's it for sure. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, we should wrap it up there. Um, thanks for joining us tonight, everybody. We hope that uh, you've enjoyed the show. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Um, we'd love to get you to visit our website, uh, which is www.therepublicofmam.com. And uh, remember, the Republic wasn't built in a day, and neither are middle-aged men. And uh, we'll see you next time. Good night, guys. Thanks, boys. Always good to chat. Good night. Catch you next time.